how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. From this passage and several other selections of scripture this morning, I want to speak to you about the danger of good intention. Amen. And you may be seated. Almost 900 years ago, a man commonly referred to as St. Bernard of Clairvaux wrote this. Hell is full of good wishes and desires. While you may not have heard of the name of this man before, I'm certain that you have at some point heard the modern day equivalent of what has become a very popular saying. We would say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. An alternative form of this aphorism that may be new to you reads, hell is full of good meaning but heaven is full of good works. I caution you against believing that either of these quotes comes directly from the word of God because we do not read those words in the Bible. And for good reason, because neither one of those is exactly accurate. A person being cast into outer darkness, eternally separated from God, the state that we commonly refer to as hell is not simply the end result of good intentions, but rather it is the direct result of sin. Yeah. And I know it may sound strange to some of us, but there are actually those people who desire that faith. It is their intention. They have made up their mind to go to hell. I've actually had someone express the way they viewed their eternal destiny this way to me. They said, well, since I am a sinner and there is no sin in heaven, then if I were going to spend an eternity with God where you could not sin, that would be like hell to me. What an amazing lack of understanding. If you have that image in your mind this morning of hell being like some great party where everybody participates in every manner of sin that they enjoyed in this life and that they do that for all eternity, then you are certainly mistaken. Jesus described hell as a place of everlasting punishment where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The book of Revelation describes it as a lake which burns with fire and brimstone. It is true that in this life, there may be the pleasure of sin for a season. But in the life that is certain to come after this life, there are only two options. Eternal bliss in heaven or eternal punishment in hell. No one will spend their first night in hell filled with a sense of relief 
that it really isn't that bad. Jesus told the story of a rich man who found himself in the lake of fire, begging for just a single drop of water to be placed on his tongue so that he might have just a moment of relief from the pain. I want to remind us this morning that hell is not a figure of speech. It is a real place that will become a reality for those who have not obeyed the gospel. And the road to hell is the result of sin that has not been removed by repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Likewise, we understand that good works alone cannot earn us entrance into that gate that is cut from a single pearl. We can never be good enough to purchase our own salvation. Because on our best day, when we are our height of righteousness, the Bible says this in Isaiah 64 and 6. We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. No matter how many charities you volunteer for, no matter how many good causes you represent, no matter how many good works you have on your account when you pass from this life, they cannot erase the stain of sin. Sin. We must obey the gospel. Good works cannot save. But the sentiment of what we have all probably both said and heard, that idea that hell is often filled with people who had intentions of reaching a different destination, that most certainly is true. And so I want to remind us of three grave dangers that can result from good intentions. The first danger of good intentions that often causes us much difficulty in this life and places at great risk for where we will spend eternity is when we have good intentions yet make bad decisions. Our good intentions must be matched with good decisions. The drumbeat of this world constantly screams that as long as you follow your heart, as long as you are true to yourself, as long as you are sincere and follow your passion, then there is a guarantee that what you choose to do will be right. What a dangerous philosophy. If I set out to save the planet, because I believe I have a moral imperative to rescue the earth from those evil humans that are doing radical things like breathing oxygen and exhaling carbon dioxide. Then I might come to the same conclusion that so many so-called intellectuals have reached. That a massive plague or some event that wipes out a large portion of the world's population is what we need. 
And if I set out to save the human race because of my good intentions, by devising a way to make this catastrophic loss of human life a reality, then my supposed good intentions have been matched with a decision that is wrought with moral depravity. Evil often results from good intentions matched with bad decisions. I believe if you asked Hitler if he was evil, he would have said no, because if you understand his mentality, he had what he believed to be good intentions. And a much more common example, let's say I have the good intention of fulfilling my life purpose. I study all the religions of the world and come to the conclusion that they're all basically the same. So I make up my own combination from the most popular religious philosophies that I come into contact with, create my own personal worldview that fits my personality. And I have good intentions. I'm sincere. I'm following my heart. But that road will inevitably lead to hell unless I decide to believe the Bible and obey the gospel. We must match good intentions with correct choices or the good intentions in and of themselves will mean nothing. Biblical ignorance can lead a person on a path to hell even if they have the intention of doing good. A second danger to good intentions is that when we do make bad choices, we often rely upon the fact that we had good intentions as a way of justifying our behavior. We often assign the absolute best of intentions to our own actions even if they were not the original motivating factor behind the decision that we made. Often when our choices are called into question by other people, we immediately begin to edit the past experience and justify our actions because we were only trying to do what was right. That attitude is often expressed by apologies that start with a phrase, I'm sorry if I offended you, but that is the worst kind of apology to give. I understand there are times in which people get offended even when we have done absolutely nothing wrong. That is very frustrating when that happens. But it's also true that there are times in all of our lives when we try to avoid facing the reality of bad decisions we have made by running for cover under the guise of good intentions. We must all face up to the fact that other people will never judge us by our intentions, but they will judge us by the goodness of our actual actions. And we must be careful to not always assign evil intentions to the actions of others. How often are we guilty of doing the same thing we read about in the Garden of Eden? 
the blame game that was played by everyone involved but God. Adam blamed Eve for being the first to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Adam had the audacity to remind God that he was the one that created Eve to begin with. Eve turned around and blamed the serpent. And as the joke goes, the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. How often do we participate in similar unproductive behavior? Assigning good intentions to our actions, evil intentions to the actions of others. We must be careful to never match good intentions with bad choices. And be on the guard against assigning good intentions to all of our actions and bad intentions to others. Think about what the Pharisees did to Jesus. He goes and casts out devils. He goes and heals the sick. And the Pharisees say, aha, you're casting out demons by the power of the devil. Assigning evil intentions even to the Lord. While believing that they were righteous and holy. We can't be like the Pharisees. And the most common danger of good intentions. Where you believed I was going to as I began this message. Is the fact that often in this life. We never follow through. And take the actions that we have intended. Which results in certain consequences. Sometimes those consequences can be minimal. Perhaps you've experienced something like this story before. You pick up the water bill from that special place in your house where you leave things that you have to remember to take with you when you leave the house the next day. There is a check written. There is a stamp assigned to the front. You know exactly where the post office is. You don't even have to get out of the car. Just drive through, drop it off two extra minutes on your way to your destination. You intend to do that, but you get distracted. Maybe you have a bad day. You simply forget your favorite songs on the radio and you get caught up lifting your hands just one because you're driving and praising the Lord and drive right past the post office. But you'll mail it on the way home or tomorrow. Tomorrow comes, the next day, the next week, when finally one day you notice that unpaid bill sitting in the console of your car and realize it's already three days late. In frustration, you tear open the envelope, knowing that stamp will never be used again, rip, open, rip up the check, write another one with that 10% penalty added in, and this time drive directly to City Hall, pay the bill at the drive through window, because you don't want to risk forgetting again. Good intentions, Delayed action, a small financial penalty. But you forget about it just a few months later because it's not life changing. Other situations in this life can be far more costly. A phone call you intend to make, 
a conversation that has the potential to save a relationship. That opportunity you have to set things right, but before you follow through and take action, you tragically discover it is too late. A person you intend to reach out to, someone that you sense is spiritually hungry, someone that when you get up the nerve, you're going to introduce them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's secret sin in your own life that you've been a, doing a great job of hiding from everyone else. That one day you're really going to repent and make it right. That call to be involved in ministry, that one day you're actually going to take that step to pursue. You have every intention of your life making a difference in the kingdom of God. A personal conviction that the Lord continues to deal with you about. That one thing you know you're holding on to that you have seen in the Bible, you understand to be true, but you just can't quite make that change. But one day, I intend to give it all to the Lord. The danger of good intentions is not that good intentions in and of themselves are wrong. Good intentions are the precursor to good action. Remember the Bible says that godly sorrow worketh repentance. You first have to intend to live for God before you can follow through. But too often we convince ourselves one day I'll do it, but I'm just not ready right now. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is a guarantee to no one. But we justify our delay because we have good intentions. One day I'm going to start to pray again like I used to pray. One day I'm going to begin to practice that principle of holiness that I understand God is calling me to do. One day I'm really going to forgive that person who did me wrong. I'm going to get involved in ministry one day. I'm going to turn my life over to the Lord when I am ready. One day I'm going to be baptized in his name. One day I'm going to walk down to the altar and seek after the Holy Ghost. Good intentions. But we cannot allow them to say intention. We must act before what we feel God leading us to do in our lives and for our eternity. Before that opportunity to no longer exist. One of the defining characteristics of the life of Jesus Christ is the fact that he carried out. His good intentions. Take another look at our text this morning. Verse number 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. Everybody say doing good. Doing good. Not planning good. Not thinking good. Not intending good but doing good. 
If all Jesus ever did was think about healing the sick, we would have no biblical authority for believing that it can still happen today. If all Jesus did was consider dying on the cross, there would be no sacrifice with the power of eliminating the stain of sin in our lives. And if all Jesus did was intend on being resurrected from the dead, he would not have gained that victory over death and hell that gives us hope that we can overcome the grave. Jesus went about doing good, not just intending good. We read this about Jesus in Luke 2.52. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. How many times have we intended to increase in wisdom? We're going to read the Bible more. We're going to finish that degree. We're going to learn a new skill. Our kids, how about getting better grades in school by studying? That's the refrain of school children every year in August. This year is going to be different. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to do my homework. Good intentions. How many times have we had the good intention of raising or increasing our stature, but we don't follow through with those good intentions? Did we actually make the effort to take care of our body, the temple of the Holy Ghost? More importantly, how often do we make up our minds to improve our relationship with God, improve our relationships with other people, and then get distracted by the busyness of life, the pressing need to accomplish things that in and of themselves may not be wrong, but are not as important as our relationship with the Lord or with those we should be reaching out to, extending the love of Jesus Christ. When he walked on earth in the flesh, Christ Jesus did not stop at good intentions. He actually increased in wisdom, increased in stature, increased in favor with God and man. Amen. We can't do that simply with good intentions. We must be the kind of church and the kind of people who follow through with what we say we are going to do and set our minds to actually accomplish what God has taught us to do for his kingdom. That idea that, well, I'm sure everything would be a lot better for me in this life if I just did what God wanted. But, you know, I'll settle for that shack on a corner lot of heaven and Maybe I won't live in that mansion on Main Street paved with gold, but everything will just work out. I'll just be okay. Now, I believe there are different levels of reward in heaven because the Bible is clear about those who are already in the kingdom of God, who have already entered into heaven, still having their works in this life judged. But the problem I have with that statement is that the attitude that says I can give God less than my best and still expect him to pat me on the back and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't see that in the Bible. James 4 and 17 says, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. 
We have a biblical imperative to follow through on our good intentions. The nonchalant attitude that says we can just do whatever we like must be confronted with the word of God. Philippians 2 and 12 tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Luke 9, 62 says, Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And Jesus warned us in Matthew 24, Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. We can't have a lackadaisical attitude about our relationship with the Lord and believe good intentions will see us through. We need to be reminded about the eternal truths found in the Word of God. And we must be intentional about matching our good intentions with right choices. Because the truth is that it does not come naturally. Listen to the agony expressed by the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, beginning with verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. What Paul is saying is this. He knows what is right. He has every good intention on doing what is right. But he struggles to follow through. He struggles to always have good decisions match his good intentions. But this morning I want to remind us that is not what should be expected in the life of someone who has been filled with the Spirit of God. Those people you've heard say, well, Christians sin every day. That's not in the Word of God. When we look at the entirety of that passage in Romans, it is not saying that, well, Paul just sinned all the time, so we shouldn't expect anything different in our lives. That's not what he means. The entirety of the passage shows us that Paul is describing what the Christian life is like if you try to live it in the power of your own flesh. If you just try to muster up enough willpower to have good intentions and to do what's right, you'll fall short every time. It is the Spirit of God working through us which is necessary for us to make good decisions. That's why he pours out his spirit to give us the ability to overcome. Receiving the Holy Ghost is one of the essential ingredients to salvation because it is our resurrection power. But it is that spirit at work in us that is essential to follow through with our good intentions. We must walk in the spirit if we're going to overcome the danger of good intentions. One final look at our text this morning. Verse 38 declares, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. That's what Messiah means, the anointed one. 
He was a human being that God decided to pour the fullness of his spirit into. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. It is that spirit that was in Jesus. That power that resided in him. That gave him the ability to go about doing good. That's how Jesus was able to heal the sick. That's how Jesus was able to follow through on good intentions and actually do good. That's how he was able to live a life free of sin. Because of the spirit that was inside him. That's why the Bible says he was called the Son of God. Because it was the Holy Ghost which overshadowed Mary, causing her to conceive. Jesus himself explained the process by which he performed miracles. He said the spirit that was in him showed him what to do. And he simply followed the prompting of that spirit. If that's how Jesus went about doing good, then that should be our plan as well. We need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost this morning. If our good intentions are going to be matched with good actions. Because I will tell you that I believe we all have good intentions this morning. You're in church today because you woke up this morning with good intentions. Either that or someone else made you get up and come to the house of God. And if that's the case, you should thank them for caring enough about your soul to convince you to be here. If you have ever repented of your sins, you did that with good intentions. Not because you were insincere. Not because you were just putting on. Not because you planned to walk away from God. But because you desire to be in a right relationship with him. If you have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you made that decision because you had the good intention of your sin being remitted. You understood what we see in Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if you have completed that process of Christian initiation, if you have obeyed the whole gospel by repenting, being baptized, and receiving the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a language you never learned, the moment that happened, you had every intention of living for God. But the secret to following through on those good intentions For all of us, the way we make sure our good intentions are not paired with bad choices, the key to not using our good intentions as a crutch to excuse bad choices is to walk in the Spirit. We must lay down the desires of our flesh and seek after the will of God for our life. If I can get you to please stand. 
Our great president, Abraham Lincoln, once said, you cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. If God grants you another day of life tomorrow, the same reality of the danger of good intentions will be real in your life. How much more true is what Abraham Lincoln said about eternity if it's true about decisions in this life? So I invite you to come to the altar this morning. Let's ask God to search our hearts to give us strength to follow through on our good intentions. If you've never received the Spirit of God, then come and discover the power of the Holy Ghost to not just have good intentions, but to follow through. And if you have received the Spirit of God, then come and be renewed. Come and receive new strength. Come and be refilled with that power to overcome the danger of good intentions. Let's not just be called the church. Let's be the church. Let's not just be calling ourselves Christians. Let's be Christians. Let's experience what God desires to accomplish when we match our good intentions with good actions. Come now to the altar. Let's seek after God and allow Him to have His way in our lives.